I'm sorry. This is making me very happy. I, I know. I'm not I, know. I just want you to keep talking. No, right. I, oh, <laughs> your face is just so happy. It makes it's, me happy. This is great. I it's love so this. cool. <laughs> <laughs> Hello from your favorite Grasslands PR team. <laughs> this week we're back with another reason why these overlooked and underappreciated ecosystems are objectively the best biome. I'm Rachel, and I can barely speak without laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Oh, I'm Alan. Uh, I'm here again. Yay! Yay! Yay. <laughs> and I'm Nicole. And hey, today, wow. Today I'm being harassed. Just, I'm I'm ready for it though. I expected it with this topic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen. It's fine. I love it. I'm excited. Uh huh. We're talking about bumblebees. Bumblebees. Bumble bumble bumblebees. Why Why do you think we would harass you about this? Yeah, Nicole. What? Why would we ever do that? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> I mean, I guess not specifically about bumblebees, but about the thing. The other bee that everybody likes to talk about. Nicole has a lot of feelings about bees. <laughs> Nicole, what other bee are you talking about? What other bee could possibly be at the center of American pollinator conservation? Yeah. If not the bumblebee. I know, right? I mean, I am going to make the case that the bumblebee should be at the center <laughs> of everyone's conservation uh, focus. But uh-huh. no, people love talking about honeybees. Mm. Um, they're great in Europe. They are not great here. Um, I understand their importance in agriculture and our food, but I hate them. (laughs) And Uh at this point, I mean, if we got rid of them, a lot of things would go really badly. But like, also, I'm willing to try it. (laughs) Okay. Just for the record, Nicole is willing to reduce our food production by approximately one third. This is how strongly she feels about that. She's smiling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Just for a short time Just until the native pollinators come yeah, in and take true. over. No, you're so right. it's fine. You're right. What's the timeline for that? Like, I'm sure people have run the math on this, right? We've really derailed your topic before you this even is, started. <laughs> this is why I said that I would be harassed. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> um, I mean, I didn't look into it. Um, I'm sure some nerd has probably ran some kind of a simulation on this. Like, what if all the honeybees, you know disappeared suddenly overnight um but that was just not a rabbit hole that i allowed myself to go down during this uh research honestly yeah. i'm proud of you yeah for <laughs> <Thank> sure you. <laughs> i mean that was a concern a little while ago with like colony collapse right yeah uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. yeah yeah so I'm sure, I'm sure there's data out there well i don't know didn't they like I don't know. Did, did colony collapse stop? I don't know. Did, why I, well, why are we they, talking about honeybees on Nicole's <laughs> bubble? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. You're right. Oh, man. All okay. right. Forget those bees. Nicole, yes. state your case. Screw honeybees. <laughs> um, yes. Screw honeybees. My first two notes of this <laughs> is honeybees suck. Um, let's talk about actually cool social bees. There's over 200 species. Wait. There's over 250 species of bumblebees in the world. Um, over 20,000 species of just like other bees in the world. Why do we only talk about honeybees? It makes me <laughs> livid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with good reason. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> we support you. I appreciate that. I really do. Uh, but yeah, let, let's talk about bumblebees. I, I will still make some, you know, comparisons to honeybees just because it's 
almost impossible not to just because they're the one species of bee that like 90% of the population knows about. Um, Only 90? I mean, <laughs> just kidding. I'm sorry. Keep going. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure everyone's had honey before. So, I mean, yeah. have they? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. Hmm. I love honey. So I don't I'm like honey. Very biased towards honeybees now that I think about it. Nicole, I kind of <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I just, I just uh, found it really ironic that she just like deadpan looked at all of us and said, "I don't like honey." <laughs> like that felt very, yeah. Like, huh? This is really deeply personal for Nicole. So it is. All right. I'm not gonna. I just wanted to get all my biases out there, like. There is a bias involved in this research, but I think it's okay because I think it's valid also. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> everyone knows about how honeybees work, how their, you know, hives work, all that good stuff. But like, what what are bumblebees doing? And admittedly, like I said, there's like 250 species of bumblebees worldwide. So it's a little dangerous to make like mm, vast comparisons with all 250 species. But for the most part, they kind of do the same thing every year. In the spring, all the queens emerge from underground where they've been hibernating all winter. How many queens are there? I mean, it depends on how successful the bumblebee population is in that area. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't... You'll, you'll find okay, out. You'll okay. find out. You'll find out. <laughs> um, but all, the, all of the queens emerge. Um, they go off and they search for an appropriate nest site. Uh, this can be, like, under some leaves, <laughs> under a log. She's not, like, super picky, but she wants to be, you know, protected from the elements, protected from potential predators, all that good stuff. Um, I have found a bumblebee nest once in my life. It was very exciting. Um, and it was just, like, tucked underneath a log in a forest. It was really, really cool. A little Aww. terrifying, but really cool. <laughs> terrifying? Yeah, because, okay, so I was looking for bugs. It was uh, during my uh, entomology class in uh, college, and we were just kind of out roaming around, and I, like, heard them, but, like, it didn't really, like, click that I was hearing, like, hundreds of bees buzzing at me, and then I got closer to them, and I was like, huh, that weird buzzing noise is getting louder. <laughs> and then I stopped, and I was like, oh, they're, like, three feet away from me. <laughs> And just, like, on the ground, and I almost stepped on them, which would have been bad. Well, yeah, because, like, okay, I've... Now, like, bumblebees are generally non, like, aggressive, yes. right? Unless you are stepping, like, on, on them. them yeah. yeah, on their nest, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. Which is valid. Like, if someone came into my house and just started stomping around, I'd probably tell them to go away, too. Yeah. And if fair. I could sting or them, I would. Them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you know. I get it. <laughs> Um, but Violence yeah, so. is the option in that scenario. <laughs> yeah. You can't yeah, fault yeah. the bees. Totally. Yeah. Got to protect those babies. <laughs> uh, babies. But... <laughs> how many babies out there? How Never many mind, queens, that. how many babies? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So each queen will, in the spring, find a good nest spot all by herself. She will lay some eggs, feed those babies, grow them up nice and big. And then throughout the summer, um, she'll start growing that nest bigger and bigger. And she'll start getting a lot of worker bees involved that are going out and collecting uh, pollen and nectar and also helping feed all the little babies, too. 
You just said that she gets all of the work of a lot of worker bees involved as if mm-hmm. like recruitment of worker bees was a very simple, straightforward thing. And you just like post job flyers around and the bees would just come like, are, is she, are they her children? Yes. Like, did she recruit them oh. from somewhere else? Okay. Yeah. It's easy to recruit your own children to the okay. cause. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, huh. yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, it's very similar to like how we think of uh, like a queen honeybee. Like she tells everyone what to do using pheromones. Um, by the time summer comes along, she's just sitting in the nest producing more eggs and the workers are going out and doing all the hard work. I'm also um, having a little bit of a hang up here because uh, you just said that she just started making babies like yeah. by herself in the woods alone mm-hmm. under a log. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, (laughs) so I did, I have studied biology a little bit. Uh uh Uh, what? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to second that. Okay, okay, okay. I'll explain. So she raises up a few hundred bees. It just depends. Fall comes around and the dynamics within the nest will change. Um, instead of producing worker bees, they start producing new queens and drones, male bees that are going to be uh, able to reproduce. So they're focusing, instead of on working and raising new bees, they shift and they start producing reproductively viable bees. Those queens will emerge from the nest and uh, will mate and then go and find a good spot to hibernate. Then they spend all winter underground, and then the spring emerge and start it all over again. So they don't mate in the spring. So They mate in the fall. Okay, but are the drones... Is this like a, is this like a, like a parthenogenesis thing? Like she's just like making a clone of herself for these drones? Is that what you're saying? Or like oh, the workers, rather. The workers... So she is laying all of all of the um, bees mm-hmm. in the nest in the summer are related fr- uh-huh. by the queen and then whatever male she mated with the f- previous fall. Oh, so okay. So she'll find like an unrelated drone yeah. right. when she leaves her OG nest. Yes. Okay. But you were making it sound like there was unfertilized eggs that were hatching at one point. Because I didn't explain that in the fall she's mating and then they're hatching in the spring. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. I was confused. I know. I thought you were like, this is like, <laughs> she's just making, like, she's control V mm-hmm. new bees everywhere. No, they're not clones. They are, you know, her and whatever drone she mated with the previous fall. Okay. Weird. Yeah. Okay. It right. is weird. Makes Suspicions sense. were correct, Alan. Mm-hmm. We did it, guys. <laughs> there was a male involved. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. So my, own, my, my, okay. I feel like that's good, and that make that makes sense to me. Then. Okay. Okay. Now I'm, I'm now I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be pretty on. Well, would I be on? Never mind. That's a whole. Other <laughs> no, I was going to be on board either way, but I just yeah, didn't know yeah. what we were talking about. Yeah. yeah I was yeah, very yeah. confused. No, it's it's weird because it's very like unusual for any animal to just like emerge in the spring and just like start having babies without meeting a male. Like it is very weird. And it's only the Queens that survive the winter. All of the other ones, they just all die off. All the, all the males die off. All the workers from the previous year all die off in winter. It's only the female Queens that will be ready the next spring to have babies that are going to survive the winter. Hot dog. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> ha, what? 
I have so many questions, um, which I'm sure you're going to answer. Are mm-hmm. we completely derailing what you're planning no. to talk about? So we just keep asking you questions every five <laughs> I minutes? I love it. Okay. Fantastic. Tell us more about bumblebees, Nicole. If you insist. No, I love that Like you guys don't know this because, I mean, it just goes to prove how little we know about them and how our education has failed us in every way because it only focuses on honeybees. Yeah. That's so, fair. Yeah. yeah, that's very fair. I didn't even realize bumblebee nests were that large, like mm-hmm. hundreds of bees. It does depend on the species. Um, some will have smaller nests, maybe of only like a couple dozen, like 50 individuals, but others can be up to like 500. So, okay. Yeah. Are these nests, do they resemble a honeybee hive? Like, uh, or like, what, what is a, what do, what do the nests of other social bees look like? Because, you know, like wasps, like we see, like wasp, wasp nests are a little more conspicuous and they have yeah. all sorts of neat shapes and, you know, designs to them. Mm-hmm. Um, what does a bumblebee nest look like? Yeah, great question. Uh, so they do make wax, um, just like <gasps> a wasp, <laughs> sometimes wasps. A lot of times they're just made out of like spit and like, bark but i was gonna say like yeah. how what is how how do wax is it like a <laughs> gland is yes. it spit and bark <laughs> so it's very similar to honeybee uh, i don't know wax. how honeybee wax is made <laughs> it's spit and spit <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh, okay like swallows yeah some some swallows yeah yeah okay but yeah they do make wax um and they do make individual cells that they will cap um like with nectar and food that the baby bees when they hatch out of their egg they eat and then eventually they eat their way out very very similar to honeybees um but it's much less uh much less conspicuous a lot smaller um, a honeybee hive will have like 50,000 individuals <laughs> um so it has to be a lot bigger and it's a lot, the honeybee hives will be a lot more like organized. A bumblebee nest is. Do they bumble around <laughs> instead I mean, they of working? Do. <laughs> oh, no, oh. they are hard workers. We will get into that. Don't you slander my bumblebees. <laughs> I, it's fun. It's fun because I know like so many things that I could say that will like immediately trigger Nicole about bees. <laughs> Like I was gonna say when we were talking about the nest, I was like, you know what I really like about honeybees is how their nests their nest cells are like perfect little like hexagons. you know, hexagons. Wow, yeah. they're such great architects, but it's just gravity that puts them into <laughs> hexagon shapes. <laughs> they make circles and then gravity makes it turn into a hexagon shape. So mm-hmm. Alan's l- just pure joy on his face that it worked again and he perfectly <laughs> triggered you into ranting. Okay. I mean, I appreciate it. I'm here for the the honeybee slander. And that's why I didn't write any of the notes, my notes on honeybee slander, because I knew that you guys would just prompt me into it. So. Yeah. yeah. If, you've, yeah. if you've spent really any time with Nicole, you've heard her... <laughs> You've heard her rant about honeybees, and so that's yeah. It's it's honestly it's too easy for us. So we should probably yeah. just let her talk. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I doubt that's gonna happen. <laughs> if anybody wants to see our Twitter account become completely feral and unhinged, just start tweeting us about how cool honeybees are and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> um, so something like kind of nice about bumbles is they don't swarm like honeybees do. Oh, um, no, okay. but swarming isn't like a. I mean, that's not, like, dangerous. That's, like, the most docile time when honeybees can be around. Like, they're pretty chill when they're swarming. I mean, they're chill, but they're also, like, actively looking for, like, a new place and, like, expanding and just being a nuisance, in my opinion. 
Um, I wish you could see Nicole's face. <laughs> the indignation is strong. Okay. Um, but but uh, yeah, bumbles won't do that. At most, you might see like the drones hanging out outside of a nest where they know an, an unmated queen is about to emerge, and it's going to be like a dozen males hanging out. So yeah, nothing crazy. Cool. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. God. Uh, but yeah, they their nests are like just I wouldn't say like. They just look different than, than what you think of, like, a bee nest looking like. I don't want to say it's, like, sloppy because it is, like, mm-hmm. very distinct little cells. Um, but they just look different. And normally you're not really going to see them um, since they do tend to nest, like, not really underground. But, like, in, like, they will nest underground in, like, mouse burrows. But also just kind of, like, tucked under things. <laughs> So you you really don't see them. The only time you would see them is if you like dug one up and you wouldn't want to do that unless it was like winter and everybody was dead. What so. if you put like a little colonoscopy camera down it? I mean, you could try. I think that'd be kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. They would definitely come out and like tell you to go away though. Do, those, do they have sound? Do colonoscopy cameras have sound? <laughs> is the term for that instrument a colonoscopy camera? I doubt like it. there's got it. <laughs> It's probably an otoscope or something. Oh, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Okay. That sounds fancy. Or that could be the ear one. Oh, I don't know. Otoscope. Yeah, we're biologists. Right. Okay, we're not like medical. Yeah, biologists. <laughs> I love when people are like, "Oh, you're studying biology. You want to? You want to work in a hospital? No, hell no. That's too much pressure. Uh, yeah. Not every I- camera probe is used for a colonoscopy, right? <laughs> Correct. I think you're right. Yeah. We hope. <laughs> Okay. Okay, <laughs> I'm getting on. I'm on. getting schooled. Okay. Oh, God. Uh but yeah, they they nest in all sorts of different places. Um and I <laughs> I found a really cool resource. It's called the Bumblebee Conservation Trust. Uh guess mm. what they like to try to save. Um and it's a Scottish nonprofit. They have a really really good website with all sorts of really cool pictures and diagrams and all sorts of cool things like showing bumblebee nests, um what to do if you find one, all that good stuff. And what do you do if you find one? Oh wow, great question. <laughs> don't don't patronize me. <laughs> no. I mean that was the next thing on my It's just really convenient when the questions Hard are immediately yeah, yeah, immediately sure. leading into what I'm about to say. So um but yeah. This is not scripted. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> not Alan and I anyway. Yeah, yeah. Oh jeez. Uh but yeah, like their answer and one that I wholeheartedly stand behind is if you find a nest, consider yourself lucky. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's so freaking cute. And That's adorable. I love it so much. Aww. They also go on to like if you're really concerned about it, there's some different ways that you can um like reroute the entrance to the nest and things like that or maybe what? even possibly move the nest if you're lucky enough to have them like nesting in a bird box, which would be really easy to move. Um, oh my god! But yeah, yeah, that goes against all my natural instincts. I have to say. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> if they if I hear are... lots of loud buzzing coming from a single point, I'm going to leave it alone. I 100% mean, of the time. That that is what I recommend and what they recommend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but some people get really up in arms about bees being near like their children or something. So if you're concerned, here's here's some some options for you. If they're conveniently in a box, you can plug up that box, move it like at night, plug it up when they're all asleep, 
move it somewhere else. Um, I think it recommended hanging it about five feet off the ground. You want it to be at least in partial shade so that they're not getting cooked. Um, and then you can unplug it in the like afternoon is the best time to unplug it. Um, so, and they will quickly, like they're very visually oriented. So they'll quickly figure out where they are, where the the food is, all that good stuff. So if you move them, just make sure you're putting them somewhere where like there's flowers and food around. Um, but like, they're pretty good about figuring out where they are and how to find things again, which is not true for all animals. Like don't move turtles cause they will die cause they just cannot find food. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about how on, uh, that one season of love is blind, somebody straight up kidnapped a turtle and tried to throw it in a pond, even though it was oh, a box God. turtle. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Don't do that. Yeah. yeah. They can swim, just not for long or well. The good news was she said it on the shore and stood there breathing over its back until it was like forced to swim away across the pond. Oof. But that's better than just throwing it in. So I that's have seen true. videos of people just chucking box turtles into ponds. I'm uh, like, oh. Oh, no. Mm. Yeah. But you can chuck bumblebees. Mm, you can <laughs> gently place them somewhere. Gently, pl- yeah, gently place them. Yes. Yeah. I have a question. Yes. I have also two questions. Oh, oh, gosh. Okay, you do one first and then I'll do one and then you do the last one. Okay. <laughs> okay. First question. Are, are bumblebees like completely diurnal? Like you said, they all go to sleep at night. Like mm-hmm. they go to the hive and they're just like, Ooh. Yep. Yeah. They all, all they all cuddle up and <laughs> they sleep. They cuddle? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Did they cuddle with the babies? Uh, no, because they're in little cells. So. <laughs> do their wings still vibrate a little bit while they're asleep to keep them warm? I mean, probably because they. <laughs> I... Are we just? <laughs> if you don't have a source for that, yeah, you don't no, have to no. say probably. I no, just... <laughs> no. I, mean, I was going to explain. Okay. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I bet there's at least a couple bees awake at some point during the night, uh, moving their wings to keep airflow uh, in the nest. Because oh. that's very right. any social insect will do that. Maybe not any social insect. A lot of social insects will vibrate their wings to get airflow going when they're in really tight quarters like that. So, I've seen honeybees do that. Yeah, on mm-hmm. the uh, outside of their hive when it's mm-hmm. like really hot out. Yeah, bumblebees will too because <laughs> they're cool. Well, yeah, this is, and that's also like okay. I now have a third question, but you oh, go gosh. ahead. Oh, my question is, um, why can't we just you know when it's time for food crops? Why can't we just box up the bumblebees and take them to? Uh, california and let them pollinate our almond trees and then box them up and take them home fantastic question thank yeah. you yeah so uh you can actually buy uh, bumblebees online what? and yeah use them for pollinating your crops well why don't we do that it's <laughs> a great question why don't we do that i well, now have four questions oh gosh okay <laughs> um so i would imagine that one they're more expensive uh mm-hmm. bumblebees i mean they only live a year yeah. and that's the queens that are living a year everyone else lives a couple months so they're more expensive. They're harder to come by. They're not like commercially raised like we see honeybees being raised. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also, since they are so big, they they do pollinate actually quite a few different crops. Um, but because they are so big, it's fewer crops than you might think. Okay. Um, so they're really good pollinators for blueberries, tomatoes, squash, eggplants, peppers, strawberries, and kiwis. Okay. And they're actually the only known pollinator for potatoes. What? So those are all, though. Things that we use honeybees for? Well, yes. But also, those are all plants that are native, well, except for kiwis, right? Mm -hmm. Native to North America. Yeah. Yeah. Because it stands to reason 
that food has been cultivated here for thousands of years by mm-hmm. millions of people mm-hmm. before honeybees came along. Correct. Right, and yeah. they had to have been pollinated by something. Something. Yeah. yeah. Bumblebees. Right? Yeah. Okay. It was the bumbles. The unsung so heroes. Many bumblebees and squash flowers and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Aw, let's. That's. <laughs> mm, that makes me happy. That yeah. does make me happy. Except for the part. Well, never mind. I was going to slander honeybees, but that's kind of beating a dead horse. So. Yeah. No, maybe Nicole doesn't have to wipe out a third of our food. Yeah. That's See? the point. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yes, thank you. Yeah. The natives will just come in and replace them. It's fine. It's will, fine. Will there be a transition period where mm, probably a lot of people will die? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. If, if this <laughs> actually happens. I think we're losing people. <laughs> <laughs> we are losing people. We're losing people. <laughs> let's go back to talking about how they all cuddle i'm just saying (laughs) if it actually happened it would be catastrophic and i don't actually want it to happen like that it would be catastrophic and a lot of people would die like that's just a fact right um honeybees are like effectively a introduced component of the ecosystem permanently now yeah but that doesn't mean that we have to promote their spread Yes. and all that right yeah they're livestock like yeah that's oh that's good yeah that's, that's a, a really that's a good way to look at it honestly mm-hmm. yeah yeah they're livestock and if we could instead of just like wiping out all honeybees <laughs> um <laughs> we can you know slowly encourage like especially fall, small farms to you know plant native wildflowers to encourage honeybees to come along and there is one species of i think wet bee that is actually commercially farmed and used on farms as well i've seen those mm-hmm. um they have stripes mm, i can't remember what they're called neither can i but i think i've i feel like i've seen other bees be commercially available for yeah. like a, like a couple of different solitary bees like leafcutter bees yeah that can't be right but i think i've i mean i've seen them for sale for like commercial uses yeah. and stuff maybe I think it's it's slowly becoming more of a thing. And if we could like wean ourselves off honeybees, there are other options out there is all I'm saying. <laughs> right. For sure. Yeah. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like all honeybees go and now it's all native pollinators. Right. Yeah. Like um, you have like you can. Yeah. We, you can do something to at least restore some of what the honeybees by merit of being like essentially an invasive species at this point. Right. Like yeah. that's how they're classified by most entomologists like i mean naturalized or so they do um i don't know 100 percent if they're naturalized or not but they do have a detrimental effect to our native pollinators um just because of how many like they like i said they live in hives of fifty thousand individuals you throw 10 bumblebees out there they're not going to be able to compete with that yeah so they just out compete the other pollinators um so yeah interesting yeah no that makes sense yeah so i mean it's like we really just have to prevent them from out competing all like you know but yeah like promoting Mm -hmm. a little bit more of the natural ecology before it gets completely eliminated is really kind of like the best we can do at this point yeah 100 and promoting bumblebees bumblebees 
and stuff. Alan, <laughs> how, how many of your questions did you get to ask so far? I think we covered like one, maybe two of them. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> okay. Another question I had was, because you said like, like just go up and move them. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I get like, this is like a couple, I get this is a couple hundred bees as opposed to a few thousand. Like yeah. several thousand bee stings could, well, is potentially a life-threatening situation. Yeah. Um, are do do honeybees? I mean, do bumblebees not have a really strong like hive defense response? Like, why why is this a thing? Like, oh yeah, just go and like you know yoink, and then like <laughs> take it to somewhere nice and shady where the flowers grow. That seems crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that- I mean, I would say that it is a last resort to move them. Okay. Um, just breathing on their nests will provoke not necessarily an attack but a response Mm. like they'll come out and like see what you're doing and if you continue messing with them then yes you will get stung um and fun thing about bumblebees is that their stingers are not barbed so they can just sting you over and over and over and over and over so yeah and then they don't die afterwards (laughs) so that's pretty cool uh so i would say you know you're not literally going to be able to just like pick up most of them. It's if they are like conveniently nesting inside of like a flower pot or inside of a birdhouse, things like that, like a structure that you can move the structure versus moving like the actual nest. Then you can plug it up at night, move them, unplug it the next day. Just kidnap them while they're sleeping. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, like if it's something that you can't move because they're resting or they're nesting underneath like an eave or an awning, something like that, um, you can redirect the entrance of the nest with like some flexible tubing. (laughs) So you find the entrance of the nest, put the tube on there, make it like, you know, as tight of a fit as you can, and then just like move the tube like, I don't know, like over the fence or like away from your front door if they're nesting over your front door, things like that. I'm just picturing, like, mm-hmm. aiming the tube at somebody as a prank. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Perfect. so there's there's some options out there. But, really, if you can just deal with your fun little fuzzy, buzzy neighbors for, like, three months, they'll all be dead and moved on. And Fuzzy, buzzy. <laughs> fuzzy, buzzy. Fuzzy, buzzy neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question now, but Alan has, like, two more, so. I'll okay. ask one, then you ask one. Uh, okay. We'll do that again. Okay, okay, okay. 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 So, um... <laughs> I guess okay. Like we we're all we've all probably learned how like bumble like how honeybees feed their larvae, right? Mm. Honey. Honey, right? <laughs> yeah. Correct. What's that? I'm kidding. Please stop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> do bumble what do, do what do bumblebees uh how what are they feeding their larvae? How what what do they produce? Like cuz do they produce like a like a honey and a royal jelly like a honeybee colony would or do they produce something that's like an analog of that substance or are they just like bringing back pollen on their fuzz and being like, "Here you go babies, shake 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 shake." Like what what are they, like what are they <laughs> What are what are they like? What are they feeding their love? I feel like it'd be more effective to let them like eat the pollen off your body than to shake mm. it onto the ground and force them to get it in the dirt. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if I if you had to, anyway, please tell us the actual answers. <laughs> so hygienic of you. Um, so yeah, no, let let's let's talk about like yeah, how bees, well, how bumblebees are collecting their food and how they're bringing it back. So bumblebees, they're very fuzzy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah they're mm-hmm. very fuzzy. They So when they're visiting flowers, they get just absolutely covered in pollen, but they don't just leave it on their bodies. They have pollen baskets like honeybees do, 
And they put, they kind of groom off all that pollen into their honey baskets that are on their back legs. And that's how they bring it back to the nest. They also will drink nectar and store it in what is called a honey stomach. Okay. Just like honeybees. Okay. And they will vomit it up. And it is a type of honey. So they make honey just like honeybees do. They just don't store it in large quantities like a honeybee does. Because they're not surviving the winter with an entire hive. Correct. Yeah. Interesting. Right, right, right. Okay. Yep. Interesting. So there is such a thing. It's like bumblebee honey is a thing. Yeah. Okay. Is it commercially a thing? I mean, probably <laughs> not because <laughs> they have so little of it that they're, they need all that they produce. That's really efficient of them. Yeah. 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 Good job, bumblebees. <laughs> right. There's no need to produce excess and steal food from everybody else. Yeah. Exactly. Don't, yeah. yeah. Don't be a jerk. Just be a little fuzzy, buzzy little friend. <laughs> yeah. Be a fuzzy part of the community. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so like, does that, does that answer your question? It does. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I had no idea that that's what they were doing. Like I, yeah. like I am and not like, okay, honey is not necessarily a part of every bee's life history, right? There are bees that do not like, right. There are bees mm-hmm. that don't have honey stomachs that don't necessarily feed on exclusively on nectar or whatever yeah. and pollen and that sort of thing. Yeah. So, but I didn't know that bumblebees were in that mm-hmm. group that do. Yeah, that's that's, really that's cool. interesting. Their honey stomachs are so big that when they when the stomach is full, it can be ninety percent of their weight. Oh <laughs> wow! <laughs> oh wow! Mm. They're very efficient. <laughs> um, so yeah, they 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 when they are out looking for food, like they go until they are like full and they come back. So which is different from honeybees who. Um, their honey stomachs are usually like maybe 50% full when they come back to the hive. So lazy, kind of interesting. I know, right? They rely, <laughs> I guess, on teamwork. So they don't have to be as like efficient because there's so many of them. Is this why honeybees just appear to have such like a, like a lolling kind of like, just a, like a weird Mm-hmm. flight pattern because they're so like they have so much cargo on board that they're just kind of like whoa whoa and like bonking into stuff like you mean bumblebees bumblebees, bumblebees. Yeah, yeah 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 mm-hmm. like is that is that why is that they just have so much like that has to affect the way they move right they're I'm, carrying that much stuff yeah i'm sure that it probably does um but yeah i don't know for sure because yeah that's a lot of extra weight fascinating yeah there's a lot of jokes about like oh we don't even understand how bumblebees fly because they're just so big it's all yeah. physics we know how they fly it's oh, not okay. a secret it, it's not it's yeah okay they're big but they got strong wings i have a question about bumblebee secrets though yes. wait did you finish is it you got your question it's my turn for a question i forgot the last one because it was oh. 30 minutes ago <laughs> oh man well good, good for me <laughs> maybe i'll um, remember it i want to know about like bumblebee casts and how different they look are worker bumblebees different from queen bumblebees mm-hmm um, so the queens are qu- quite a bit s- larger, um, and the workers are smaller than the males. Um, so again, p- kind of similar to honeybees. Um, the queens have like very elongated uh, abdomens, or in the UK they call them tails. But what? That's not a tail. It's like they're organs. <laughs> I know, but ah. it's also kind of cute. <laughs> that's what that's what they call the 
Okay. The For like all insects, the um, tail. I've seen it specifically like with bumblebees because um, hmm. a lot of bumblebee research is uh, Europe and UK based. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, it is. It is kind of interesting, but yeah, there, there's like bees that are called like the red tailed bumblebee because it's got a red tail. I don't know. It's just very cute. Anyways, um, <laughs> the queens will have very elongated <laughs> abdomens. Um, the workers are fairly small, and then the males are going to be a little bit bigger than the workers. So it's not like probably super obvious. And since there is such a size difference between different species, other than like a queen, like just seeing a random bumblebee without like the context of the rest of the um, like nest, I feel like it would be hard to tell. Okay. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Whoa. We saw the bumblebee guide you posted. It's so good. It's very good. <laughs> oh, I didn't study it though because I was trying not to spoil myself. Should I look at that more closely? <laughs> I well, I mean, I just I just thought it was neat because I mean they you know they're all they're just like different colors and they're fuzzy yeah. and different patterns and it's nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bumblebees are like if you know what to look for or like one of the easier bees to ID the species just because they are different colors and different patterns, mostly on like their abdomens um, and like the striping, like this, this species has three stripes, but this species only has two stripes and things like that. And they're big enough. You can actually see that. Yes. <laughs> which is very helpful. <laughs> um, the largest bumblebee species is about an inch and a, an inch and a half long, just 3.8 centimeters. So that, that's a big bee. <laughs> that is a big bee. That yeah. is a big bee. Mm-hmm. And none of them have gross hairy eyes. None of them have gross hairy eyes. Thank goodness. Yeah. If there was a bee that had gross hairy eyes, boy, that'd be a shame. <laughs> <laughs> it's honeybees. Honeybees have gross it hairy is eyes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I think we've finally gotten through all of our questions. Would you like to resume yeah. your plan to talk about bumblebees? <laughs> I think where you left off was um, in Scotland. Yes, correct. Mm-hmm. That's all I had about that organization. I mean, they're really oh. cool and their website's great, but then you guys just conveniently started talking about pollination, which was my next topic anyways. Okay. So. It's because you said it's it, when you brought up the move the nest thing, uh-huh. that's when we got, we, we got way off track. Yeah, okay. it's okay. We're back on track now. Nicole... Please proceed. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, we already talked about this a little bit, but I wanted to talk about, like, they're really, really good pollinators. Why are they such good pollinators? I picked out three things. Can we guess them? Absolutely. Are you going to say it first or me? Fuzzy. Yeah, that's number one. <laughs> <laughs> I beat you to it, Alan. Can I guess number two? Yeah. Buzzy? <gasps> I mean, yeah. Yes! yes, yes. <laughs> Oh, they like the pollen. Hold on now. (laughs) (laughs) That's a thing. No, it's a thing. But yeah, like they they can like vibrate. Yes. Like like the stamens of flowers and like shake stuff out of Mm -hmm. them. And there's some plants that like will only do it if they get buzzed by a bumblebee. Like they like withhold that stuff until bumblebees buzz them. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I I have, I think I've seen some videos of this through Nicole. Yes. Should I edit that out? It is explicit. (laughs) It's pretty explicit. (laughs) My bad. I'll beep it. (laughs) 
Um, but no, yeah. So they're very, very fuzzy. They can carry a lot of pollen. Um, my second one was that they are very adapted to certain flowers, especially when it comes to buzz pollination um, and things like snapdragons, like these really big, heavy flowers that only bumblebees can like push open and like force their way inside of. Nice. Yeah. Like they have a lot of really cool relationships with flowers. Look up um, bumblebees pollinating flowers because it's just the most adorable, amazing thing. Do you want to try to guess number three? Uh, um, uh, busy. They're yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, they're just they're yeah. just like efficient. Yeah, like, they're workaholics. Um, oh, okay. oh no, find some work life balance, guys. Yeah, well, they go to sleep at night. Yeah, yeah, true. and then back to work, slackers. <laughs> But yeah, they're they're little workaholics. They're busy little bees. Um, they're up earlier than most other pollinators. They stay up later than most other pollinators. Aww. They're out when it's cloudy. They're out when like it's just chilly out. Like whereas a lot of other like if you're ever doing pollinator research or like trying to like see what kind of pollinators are visiting like your garden you're supposed to do it between like very specific temperatures Hmm. only when it's completely like not cloudy at all out because there's a lot of pollinators that just won't be active if it's cloudy or chilly or you know a million other things it has to be like perfect conditions to do pollinator research i know because i have painstakingly waited (laughs) many a day (laughs) for the perfect like conditions to go out and do like sweep netting and stuff so huh okay yeah very cool that's super cool i wonder why that is do you know why um a lot able to be more active yeah a lot of it is just they're able to be more active so they are they don't produce insects don't produce their own heat so they need it to be warm out for them to be able to be moving around Um, and they move around a lot faster when it's warmer out as well to an extent obviously if it's like super hot they're not going to be out either um, and you also want really low wind speeds as well. I forgot Aww. about that one um, because otherwise they're just, you know, <laughs> getting blown about and not accomplishing what they're trying to accomplish. So um, and then as far as like the cloudy portion of that, um, insects are navigating primarily by eyesight um, and they need the sun reflecting off the flowers and giving off the flowers all their UV guides and things like that that those flowers have um, for them to be able to find the flowers that they need to eat. Right. Okay. Yeah. And bumblebees are able to navigate those things better than other bees. Yes. And better than like most other pollinators. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Is it, is, does the fuzzy insulation help with that? Is that why they're able to emerge like on cooler, like spring mornings and things like that or stay out later in the evening? It, it might be the fuzziness and also just because they are so big. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's a little windy, doesn't matter. It weighs a lot more than the average insect, uh, things like that. Right. So, yeah. How much more? How, yeah. How, how mean, much more? What's an average insect weigh? There's some insects that are like <laughs> <laughs> almost microscopic. Okay, no, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Give us the answer, Nicole. <laughs> I, I don't Nicole, have one. Nicole, answer us. <laughs> Ooh, this is something, this is weird to think about now. Yeah. Mm. Isn't it cool? Yeah, like yeah. how small are like little thrips, you know? So small. Right? <laughs> yeah. Would you even be able to measure them? Yes. Well, like weight. This oh. is what's kind of fun about insects, though, is there are like, you know, there are insects that are 
thousands of times larger than other insects. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, and, and something else that, that helps them is that they just have really, really good eyesight. Um, compared specifically to uh, honeybees, their eyes are two and a half times bigger, like surface mm. area wise. Um, and the visual acuity, so like how clear things are, um, the bumblebees have about 25% like better eyesight than a honeybee. Um, but yeah, so they, they just are really good at navigating and like being out at times where other insects are not. And when they do find a nectar source or a pollen source, they hurry back to the nest and they don't do a dance per se. I've seen it described as a dance, but it's definitely not a dance. They just get really excited and they just do laps around the nest and run around. <laughs> and all this running around is spreading pheromones and getting all the other bees excited. And then they all go out and forage together. It's very cute. Oh, my God. That is adorable. Yeah. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah. And these little, like, runs can last, like, several minutes. They just get that excited about, like, a new pollen source. (laughs) They got to amp everybody up, too. Like, you guys, follow me. You're not ready yet. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah, they don't have, like, the fancy waggle dance that honeybees do where they're, like, describing where it is and, like, how far and whatever. But they're still communicating. Okay, so you're saying that honeybees are a little better in this instance? <laughs> I mean, I think they're a little extra. Like, the bumblebees are getting it done without all of the dancing, so... Okay. It's, yeah, I mean, right? Okay, so it's like, you know, like, it's like coming home and then, like, would you want, like, you know, would you want somebody, like, to come up to you and be like, hello, I found food. It's over here. Let me show you exactly where it is. Or would you want like a golden retriever that's just like running around like really excited and you have to like guess kind of what it wants and like We have to go to this restaurant right now, guys. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, I don't know, let's follow this puppy. He's really excited about stuff. Yeah. You yes. know? Like that's better. Isn't that better? Okay. I think yeah. that is better. Yeah. yeah. I think so. <laughs> I love that. So I wanted to kind of like find some other sources and I found this website, bumblebee.org. It's very old looking, but it has a lot of really good information on it. I recommend checking it out, but perhaps with a grain of salt because there's no citations anywhere. And they just threw out this fact that like blew my mind and I have no idea if it's true or not. They said, quote, it is often thought that hummingbirds have the highest metabolic rate of all animals. However, the metabolic rate of bumblebees is 75% higher than a hummingbird's. Hmm. Hmm. That is an outlandish fact. And they did give a very specific percentage. Yeah. So you would think that it'd be really easy to find the thing that they quoted. But nope. Yeah. When you search that, you just find a lot of other websites just throwing that fact out there with no citation. Oh, boy. I hate it when that happens. Yeah. I do hate it when that happens. Yeah. I tried for like probably way longer than I needed to <laughs> and just could not find it. Hmm. So... Well, that is an oh. interesting, possibly true fact. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And like I even found there was one person that was like like on like a Yahoo Answers. Like I got desperate, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I went on like a forum and they were like, I was reading a Guinness World Record book and it said something, something. Um, and people in the comments were like, Oh, well, it specified, oh, hummingbirds have the um, highest metabolic rate of 
any uh, endotherm, I think is what it was, mm-hmm. like a warm-blooded animal. Right. And the fact that they specified means that there's probably other animals out there that have a higher metabolic rate, but it didn't say what those other animals might be. Interesting. So I have no idea. It seems... Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's impossible. Like, bees are doing stuff, like, all the time, you know? Right, but... but so are hummingbirds. And hummingbirds, yeah, do burn a lot of energy per unit mass. Yeah, and they're also endotherms, so they're using so much energy keeping warm. Bumblebees don't have to do any of that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Because, like, do bumblebees, like, enter, like, a torpor at night, like a hummingbird would? Um, I don't know if they enter, like, an official torpor, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do slow down, like, a lot. Fascinating. Fascinating. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and slap a citation needed <laughs> on the entire last five minutes. But it is interesting. <laughs> it it's is. interesting. Yeah, uh, it yeah. is. Um, but, yeah, so then I... Once I got down that rabbit hole and I pulled myself back out, um, I fell down another rabbit hole about, like, the efficiency by which bumblebees forage for food, which is a very large rabbit hole, let me tell you. But (laughs) I found one article in particular that I really, really liked, and it was talking about how bumblebees develop trap lines and how they're better at doing it than honeybees. <laughs> trap lines? Yes. What is that? So a tra- pollen? <laughs> yes. Okay. So a trap line is simply like the most efficient route to find the best flowers and then come back to the hive or the nest. Okay. And bumblebees do it way better than honeybees. <laughs> and they had a really interesting experiment where it was all in lab settings. So they were trying to, you know, be careful not to introduce a lot of extra, what's it called, variables to this experiment. But they would let out one bee at a time through these fancy little doors in front of the hives, which I thought was fascinating. And they would let these bees travel around to either four or six fake flowers that were more or less distributed randomly in a little fake field that the that the bees could fly around in. And the honeybees would take not only longer to find all of the flowers, but they often did not necessarily pick the most efficient route. Um, and if they did pick the most efficient route, AKA make a trap line, it took them way longer than the the bumblebees to do it. And once Mm. they increased the flowers from four to six, the honeybees sometimes just wouldn't find all the flowers. (laughs) Like they would just give up after four or five flowers. Um, and they never incorporated all six flowers into their trap lines. Only the bumblebees would go and make sure they visited all six flowers before they came back to the nest. Whoa, bumblebees are so much better at pollinating things. (laughs) Like, not even just in, like, side the flower itself. Mm -hmm. Like, just in finding flowers to pollinate and visiting every single one of them. Mm -hmm. Damn. That is interesting. Yeah. And I've seen other uh, studies on, like, honeybee foraging and just how inefficient they are. And, you know, this, this study kind of was like, okay, 
but why? Like, why, why do they suck so much? Um, and a lot of it came down to that, like, power in numbers that I was talking about earlier. There's just so many honeybees that they can afford to be less thorough and they're searching for food. Um, they also, you know, because bumblebees are so big and they do require so much food to raise and also, like, food for themselves, they have to be, like, super efficient and super thorough in order to get enough food to like feed everyone was another hypothesis that they kind of threw out there so yeah because there may only be 25 to 50 yeah like foragers as opposed mm -hmm. to twenty-five thousand. yeah okay that does make sense yeah and they're just so big they just need a lot of food <laughs> right 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 so which also and then it came back to the metabolic rate like maybe they really do have a really high metabolic rate and that's why they forage so much and so well i don't know interesting yeah. interesting uh but yeah bumbles also have just like they're bigger so they have bigger brains um and a lot of times <laughs> you know it's not always i went down another rabbit hole talking about like oh does bigger brain actually mean that you're smarter or better at completing tasks not all the time but a lot of times um and in the case of bumblebees yes <laughs> they are just better because they got big brains so that bigger brain probably means that they're just better at making like mental maps and being able to map out where those flowers are and map out the best route mm. so mm. yeah but not to waggle dance yeah they don't need that not to waggle dance do they have more neurons like more are they like more densely like their their like brain is more like densely packed with neurons they than actually than are i read a whole paper on it i didn't understand okay. most of it because i will say <laughs> that tends to like that tends to be like a bigger factor in cognition yes. yeah. than than just the size of the brain yeah. it's like the anatomy and the actual density of like neurons so yeah. i didn't know like is that what you're saying mm -hmm. yeah so the bumblebee brain is more dense um i did read that but <laughs> i don't understand how brains work so most of that paper i I was just like, sounds interesting. <laughs> I don't really know what you're saying. Yeah. But I got that from it. So, yeah. yes. It's okay. I'm actually not sure that neurologists are totally sure how brains work. So I, I think they fine. make up words. <laughs> yeah, but that's... A lot of science does. People. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. That's how language works. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> but yeah, catch no. on. <laughs> yeah. I, I can forward you that paper if you want. It was fascinating. I just didn't understand it. Um, And then... This study did mention kind of like offhand towards the end that, quote, different studies have shown that metabolic rates tested in bumblebees and honeybees during flight were not so different. So now I'm like, do all bees just have really high metabolic rates? I don't know. So my takeaway from that last study was they got big brains. So what can they do with them? Because I love this kind of stuff. I love testing like animal intelligence and like blurring the lines between like animals and humans. It's fascinating and so fun to me. Yes. <laughs> so I found two studies that I want to talk about real quick. Um, one was in 2017 by Lucola et al. And they looked at the cognitive flexibility of bumblebees. How good are they at learning something, but then also being able to like apply that to unique situations. So. Okay. They did this by offering the bumblebees little wooden balls and just seeing what they would do with them. 
<laughs> and okay. yeah, what did they okay. find? This is my favorite this. kind of science. Yes. Yes. Like, I don't know. See what happens. Yeah, see yeah. what happens. Um, and like Bumblebee is not going to find like a little wooden ball and do anything with it in the wild. Like that's just like it's a very novel experience for a bumblebee to come across a little wooden ball, right? And they actually put these uh, these balls on a platform with a little hole in the middle. And they would train the bumblebees to learn that if the ball was in the hole, they would get a reward. And the bumblebees would actively move the balls into the hole to get that nectar reward. Oh. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's really, that's impressive. That's yeah. like, that's, that's like a problem solving, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. Um, interesting. Okay. I guess it's like not super surprising that bumblebees are able to do some amount of learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's how they navigate their world and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. They'd have to, right? They're yeah. obviously better than honeybees at that in the first <laughs> place. So right. why not train them? <laughs> To like play fetch, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or basketball, yeah. So yeah, that's really cool. That and is really cool. Yeah. this study in particular got even more fun because the bees were trained in different ways. Um, the first way was by using like a magnet to move the ball into the hole, which would then dispense the food. The second way was the cutest. The researchers had a little puppet bee on the end of a stick and would move the ball for the bee to train them. And the third way was just by watching another bee that already knew how to move the ball. And then the learner bee would pick up on it and learn how to move the ball. Alan, are you still caught up on the puppet bee over there? (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, no. Okay, because that's... Okay, so you're suggesting that they... This... They have a method of sharing information or learning from each other, like mm-hmm. like like birds do that too. Yeah, like we you know birds like they don't just like Famously. automatically know everything that how yeah. to be a bird. They gotta like learn it from their parents and from mm-hmm. other birds. Bumblebees also do that. That I guess yeah. this is this is really surprising to me because I I don't we don't associate insects with undergoing any kind of like cognitive development i think we just yes. think they're like you know basically like tiny little robots like honestly yeah. like that's yeah. i mean that's that's my that's always been my perception yeah. of like how they function you know mentally is like you know oh like signal detected <laughs> i'm on route you know yeah. like yeah but that's really fascinating that you're t- like they're actually observing their environment taking in stimuli and yes. like remembering it yeah. most importantly and like mm-hmm. and changing their behavior on this is just like this is wild to me like, it's I love mind-blowing. I really love like I love like just animal cognition as a field and that's just really fascinating to me mm-hmm. I had no idea about this so this yeah. is really yeah. cool no it's super cool well did they find in the findings that they learned better from other bees or okay so, so you yeah. haven't gotten to that point yeah. yet yeah so they so yeah they learned the best from other bees so by watching other bees um which do you think so there there's the magnet the bee puppet and then other bees which do you think that they learned the worst from um I'm trying to decide if I think that... Uh, and the magnet was under the table. They couldn't see it. They just saw the ball moving for okay. clarification. Okay, I see. I, I think I'm... 
I'm going to be in camp. Uncanny Valley is too bad for the bees and they don't know what a bee puppet is. <laughs> I That's my camp. I I'm think... tempted to go that way. Uh-huh. But now that you said the magnet was under the table, I'm tempted to say that since it would make sense that they have a huge portion of their brain would be devoted to visual processing because their eyes are huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're just like, maybe they're like intensely visual learners. Mm-hmm. But then they are seeing, either way, they're seeing the ball move into uh-huh. the target zone. That's true, but it could be maybe they're thinking like, this is a strange haunted ghost ball. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know. So I, I love that you guys are like mm-hmm. on different sides. It's okay. very fun. Um, so they did learn the best from watching other bees do it. Makes sense. Yeah. They learned second best actually from the puppets. Fascinating. Yeah. Mm. And the worst from the just magnet and this ball magically moving to where it needed to be. Okay. Yeah. That does make sense to me. Because mm-hmm. then they, yeah, maybe they wouldn't like think like, oh, I can affect this yeah. in order to change the outcome. Yeah. Yes. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. I just desperately want to be the person with the bee puppet showing them how to move the ball around. I want to see what the puppet so looks cute. like. Is, should we, I want to know. Should we get a bumblebee program animal? <laughs> I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. Um, oh, my God. But yeah. Okay. That is really cool. And I think what Alan said, like, really kind of blew up my brain mm-hmm. about this for me, too, because we act like it's such a huge, surprising deal that birds are able to even learn from each other. Mm-hmm. But insects also do that, you know, like that's or this this particular social insect can do that. And yeah. like, is it a trait of being social that you learn to learn from other mm-hmm. animals around you? Or it's really cool <laughs> that, that they have that ability. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, does like is the social is like socialization or whatever. Is mm-hmm. that like an aspect of how like their learning ability? That's yeah. a good question. I've always heard like like specifically with ants, like one ant alone is like kind of dumb. Uh-huh. But you get like 10 ants together and like they're they can really like dumb. <laughs> No. <I'm laughs> no they, 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 it's like their IQ increases with like the number of ants that are around. Um and probably a lot of that is just like they're communicating so much, even though we don't necessarily maybe see it. There's pheromones going on and antenna and all sorts of things going on that like, yeah, like the sociality of ants is what makes them conquerors of forests and things like they're smarter together. Um, And then like one final cool thing about this particular study was that they also, so they, they taught the bees that ball and center means food. Then they had the newly taught bees perform the experiment by themselves. They got better at it over time, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also introduced more than one ball at the same time. And they would have, they were trained on these little like yellow balls with like black dots on them. But they were also offered a black ball that was closer to the middle of the platform and the bees would actually move the closer ball into the middle to get the reward faster like they were able to conceptualize even though they were only taught with the yellow balls that were at the edge of the platform they were able to realize that i will get this reward faster if i just use this one that's closer and like pick the most optimal route that is so cool. That is really yeah. cool. It's also like demonstrating like a little bit of like plasticity and yes. you know, mm-hmm. I will try this thing that may it's it's a little different from what I've been taught 
will work, but I'm going to try it because it's closer and yeah. see if I can still get there. Yeah, like that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. Like, um, that kind of like, yeah, with like the trap line idea too. It's yeah. like, how can I do this just a little bit faster? Like, yeah. is this flower closer than this flower? Maybe I'll do it this way instead. Like, yeah. it's it's weird to think of like this. This is like a process that's going on inside a bumblebee's brain. Yeah. And this is not- really weird. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like too outlandish to say that it's like a curiosity because maybe it's just like association or something that makes them think that it might work. But mm-hmm. regardless, like their willingness to try like a novel thing that might achieve the same results is really cool too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I mean, the balls are different colors though. Yeah, exactly. So it, can, it wouldn't just purely be an association thing maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. They're Whoa. so smart. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then... There's this very cool paper that went like semi-viral, at least in my very nerdy insect-based circles. <laughs> I don't I don't know how viral it actually went. In my feed, it was everywhere. But on the 19th of October of 2022, they wanted to know: do bumblebees play? <laughs> 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 this is such a good question it is a it's great question such a good i do question. want to know i Be- want to know yeah because play is something that we associate with higher cognitive functions specifically mm-hmm. a lot of times in mammals and birds so if bumblebees a lowly insect can play like what is going on in their little brains <laughs> did either of you see anything about this no okay i want to say i i feel like i might have seen like a tiktok or something about yeah. this but i don't remember exactly what the study was yeah. I, but i feel like this okay no just, just, yeah, just, just say say <laughs> say more say more things okay okay <laughs> um but yeah and like i read like uh some like synopses of the paper but actually reading the paper like they leave out so much stuff it's so cool anyways They, again, gave the bumblebees these little wooden balls. And, Ah, like, this time they literally were just like, what are they going to do with them? They didn't train these bumblebees to interact with the balls in any way. They didn't train them that this moving this ball around means food. The balls were just existing in their space. And the way that this was kind of set up was, again, laboratory settings. They had a bumblebee nest um, with a kind of like a first little room outside of the nest where uh, on one side there was the balls that were um, like stuck in place. The other side had had balls that were free rolling. Um, And then if they just went straight, so they didn't have to interact with with the balls at all. If the, if the bees just went straight across the room, there was food rewards on the other side. But again and again, the bumblebees chose to interact with the free, free moving balls and they appeared to be playing with them. Just be, like they were interacting with them with no obvious benefit to themselves. Is that, how, is that how we define play? So, <laughs> yeah, I guess is that. I yeah, guess so. yeah, doing well, something just for the fun of it, like that's play, right? Just, yeah, just for no uh, doing something for no apparent reason. Yeah. So they actually gave out there's um, behavioral criteria for an animal at play. Um, this this isn't a, a direct quote. Okay. Um, 
So the like criteria that they gave were, were as follows. One, did not contribute to immediate survival strategies. Okay. Two, was intrinsically rewarding. Three, dif- differed from functional behavior in form. Mm. Oh, okay. okay. Four, was repeated but not stereotypical. And five, was initiated under stress-free conditions. So to kind of elaborate on some of these, because there's some like kind of weird words there, um, differed from functional behavior and form, a.k.a. they're doing something that is weird and novel for a bee to grab onto a ball and just like push it around and like ride it as it like as they like roll over top of it like that's (laughs) weird that is weird it's like not something a bumblebee would do in its normal day-to-day life yes that's amazing yeah so they're they're doing something unique with this object they're not just like moving it out of the way or trying to pollinate it yeah whatever or like trying to climb on top of it or like yeah like they are interacting with it in unique ways that they would not normally do with something else cool um the repeated but not stereotypical um that is referring to um like pacing so like if you see an animal that is pacing and it always walks 10 steps to the left 10 steps to the right 10 steps to the left 10 steps to the right that's stereotypical behavior it's repeated and stereotypical it's the same every single time mm-hmm. and is usually an in- indicator of like stress. Gotcha. Okay. But okay. when the when the bees played with these balls, it it wasn't the same motion over and over again. Sometimes they would push them with their back legs, sometimes they'd push them with their front legs. Sometimes they would just kind of like push them for a short period of time. Sometimes it was for a long period of time. It was random. I'm sorry. This is making me very happy. I, I, I'm I not know. Distract you. I just want you to keep talking. No, right. I, <laughs> your face is just so happy. It makes it's, me happy. This is great. I it's love so this. cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then the initiated under stress-free conditions, they you know didn't have an excess amount of light or noise going on around the bees. They were just doing this, just. Because it wasn't like a stress response, and that's important to qualify it as something that is play. Okay. okay. Huh. What was the the very last criteria? The stress free conditions. Oh, okay. oh, and it was like intri- intrinsically rewarding or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Intrinsically you, rewarding, yeah. and then um, does not contribute to immediate survival strategies. Were the other two. Um, so the intrinsically rewarding. That one is obviously a little bit harder to kind of qualify. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that in the paper they said that it meets this criteria because they kept coming back to it. Um, if if it wasn't rewarding, they wouldn't keep doing it. Yeah, they would go to something that is rewarding like the nectar. Yeah, like the nectar. So. And you said they were – but they would choose to interact with the ball as opposed like, – as opposed to going for easily available rewards, right? Yes. They were just like, so, I mean, that would sort of suggest, given that they're, like, there verifiably are, aware mm-hmm. of both, that there is, like, some, yeah. That they're there is, choosing they're, to they're do that. They're getting something out of interacting yes. with this yeah. n- interesting new object. Yeah. Yeah. And they also, so that was something that I thought of was, like, well, is it just because it's novel and it's new? So they're like checking it out. Um, and they they found that um, 
there was, I guess, like maybe a slight correlation between its novels, so therefore they're playing with it. But they found that just like in mammals and birds and a lot of other animals, the younger bees would play with the balls more than older bees. Ah! And they... <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and it, and it wasn't just that like... Uh, the bees, as they aged, they stopped playing with them, but rather they introduced a young set of bees and an old set of bees to the balls at the same time, and the younger bees would play with them for longer than the older bees would. So it's not just because it's novel. Like, a lot of it is, like, like there's something else going on there. Super cool. Were the uh-huh. older bees judgmental because... <gasps> Because these are bees that are used to working mm-hmm. like 12 mm-hmm. or 14 hour days. Yeah. Yeah. They sleep sometimes and that's it. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, wow, mm-hmm. get a job, young bees. I mean, maybe, but. Okay. We, I Could don't think. Qualify that. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think we have a way of, uh, yeah, testing that for sure. Okay. But yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, super, super cool. They also found that um, males would play with the balls longer and just yeah. also, Sorry. I know, <laughs> <laughs> um, and that they also just didn't work as hard. So, like, females would be, like, out foraging more than the males would. Aww. So, yeah. Whoa, wait a minute. I just came up with another question. Yeah. Yes. What? <laughs> No, my question is, uh, in honeybee colonies, which is, you know, all of the bee education we ever receive ever in our lives, uh-huh. every single bee is female except for drones. Mm-hmm. Are you telling mm-hmm. me there's worker bees that are male? Or are they just drones? I, I think that it, it's it's primarily going to be the drones that okay. are, okay, like, okay. before they leave the hive and they're looking for, you know, ladies. Then, well, they don't yeah. have to work. They're just there to bang. Like, of course they're going <laughs> to yeah. be playing more. I mean, that's fair. They do work a little bit, though. Oh, oh they <laughs> just do? Just not as much as the females. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. They have to do, like, a, a little stint of labor in the nest before they can go be free and find a queen. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and they also looked at, uh, like another part of the same experiment was they would train the bees to expect the little wooden balls, um, in certain colored chambers. So they would offer like a yellow chamber that did have the, the toys in them. And then they would switch it out for a blue chamber that didn't have the toys. And so they had two different (laughs) <laughs> groups of bees <laughs> i love this whole thing i'm sorry nicole keeps looking over at me smiling and i keep making her break like her uh, concentration but i'm just very i just very pleasing to me it's so I'm- good i was just like giggling like to myself while researching this because it's so good there's so much joy in this room right it's, now. Really, it's very nice yeah um, so they had, they had one group of bees that were expecting the toys in the yellow box, one group of bees that were expecting the toys in the blue box. Um, and they found that when they kind of switched it up and they offered both colored boxes to both sets of bees, the bees would like immediately go for the box that they expect the toys to be in. They're like, give me those little wooden balls. I want to play. <laughs> I'm, I'm just... <laughs> Oh man, I can't handle this. The vibes are too good. It's like, so it's, cute. It's great. Yeah, Aww. and they even had like this this experiment. Like I love it so much because they thought of like like every time because when, when I first saw this, like making its rounds through social media, I was like, is it like 
actually play like i was not convinced at all i was like surely it's it's a novel thing they're playing with it because it's new and it's interesting or maybe they're trying to climb on top of it or like i just had like a lot of like you know but 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 and every single time i had one of those thoughts this paper was like "Ooh, i got you like we tested for that and i (laughs) i love it it's so it's such a well done uh experiment i'm sure that there are faults with it but like every single time i had a question like it was immediately answered and it was just so good oh you love to see it yes that's awesome Um, but yeah i was like yes i was like maybe they're just like looking in the box and like seeing that there's the toys in there so they go in there but no they had these little like baffles they had like a like a a piece of the they had baffles that were in front of the rooms so they couldn't see in front of the rooms. so they had like Mm -hmm. a little like corridor that they had to kind of like go around so they couldn't like peek and see if there's something in there so yeah it's just very well designed and this paper they have they don't have like actual photographs of any of the stuff but they do have uh like diagrams of like all the different experiments and they're very well put together and very easy to read the experiment overall is like very accessible if anyone is interested in this i highly recommend like reading it because it's so cool link in the notes yes link in the notes and is there video um so (gasps) please oh nicole's smiling there's totally video there is video of the bees playing with little wooden balls and it's absolutely adorable love it yeah yeah holy cow like but what does this like mean for like like i don't know just the fact so if bees can play to me, that implies that they can feel some kind of happiness, right? Maybe not how we think of it, mm-hmm. but like they're doing this thing because they like they like to do it. They're not getting rewarded with food or warmth or social interaction. Like they're doing it because it's fun. And they're implying, not. Right. They're not robots. Yeah, like it's they're an not robots. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they can feel happiness, what other kind of emotions can they feel? And like, what kind of consequences does this have for like insect husbandry and like welfare and like what even qualifies as sentience? Because if mm-hmm. feeling emotions is sentience, bumblebees are sentient. <laughs> you know. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I was not prepared for this level of uh, philosophical conversation today. I know. Yes. I was, but I was let's like, go there. <laughs> I was secretly giggling to myself when you were like, we can't get that philosophical. I was like, ooh, just wait. <laughs> oh, you monster. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, and how complex are these feelings? Is it just like something very rudimentary that, I mean, I don't think it should be ignored, but that we can kind of put aside to an extent you know, for the betterment of the human species, which I guess we do with sentient animals all the time. But I don't know. It's just, I love these weird little experiments that exist with insects, especially when it comes to like cognition and like play. And it's really, really amazing what we are constantly learning from insects. Yeah, it is. I'm immediately thinking of how we've tried to sort of compare emotional responses in certain like vertebrate animals with humans and how we've been able to like maybe make some direct comparisons 
by looking at how brain function like lights up in certain areas we associate with like a certain emotional responses and stuff and like we've identified like feelings of sadness and joy in in certain animals and stuff Mm -hmm. but then you know we can only really infer like oh it wasn't as intense or it was like only this like small region so it's not like as intense of an emotion or whatever but then with like an insect like can you even do that level of work like Mm -hmm. on a bee's brain like is it possible to you can't like stick a bee in a ct scan yeah (laughs) give them an eeg or whatever yeah yeah because i mean not everyone probably knows this like insect brains like in quotation marks are very different than our brains Mm. like they're just bundles of nerves like they're not even called brains most of the time they're ganglia they're a nerve center (laughs) and Mm. they have these ganglia throughout their bodies so they're not even necessarily yeah they're like there is the ganglia in the head where all of a lot of you know uh senses are is going to be bigger than the ganglia throughout the body that might only be responsible for like moving wings or moving legs but like it's just a bundle of nerves that's that's so frustrating too because that means that there's really no way for us to ever physiologically look at an insect and yeah. make any sort of comparison to what's happening in our brains. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah. we can just never know that because mm-hmm. we, yeah, are, we're so limited in our ability to experience like our own things <laughs> that we're having in our brains, you know? Yeah. yeah. Ah, that's so crazy. But it's like, you know, there are so many other animals that don't have like brains, like octopus and stuff that are demonstrably like super hyper intelligent. Like, yeah. Yeah. And we just have no way of, like, directly comparing that to humans physiologically. We mm-hmm. have to rely on, like, behavioral studies and these yeah. sorts of tests that they demonstrated in this particular study. Yeah. We have to teach them to communicate with humans. Yes! All animals, it. really. Yeah. Can't bees, like, remember people's faces? Or is that just honeybees? <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> or is it Africanized, like, <laughs> honeybees? <laughs> I, I'm not honestly 100% sure. I'm, I know that, like, uh, like, social wasps are able to identify each other. Um, and I believe humans as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not 100% sure. That'd be cool, though. It's another thing birds can do that people lost their minds about. But like, yeah. hey, insects, like, if they, they're doing the same stuff, like, yeah. it's not that different. Mm-hmm. It just looks different. I just want to... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alan. No, I know. I just... I um, Yes. I feel like we're not being considerate of our listener right now because oh. we just... Like, I'm sitting here <laughs> having a, an existential crisis <laughs> about... What do insects feel inside? Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. what are their inner lives, their emotional lives? Yeah. What does that consist of? Right. I would imagine our listeners are now experiencing that as well. <laughs> I'd imagine possibly uh. even some bumblebees are experiencing that right now. Yeah. And this very We don't moment. know. Yeah. So I just feel like I need to go and like look out a window for a while. Uh-huh. That's all. That's fair. Okay. Plant some flowers for bumblebees. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not now because it's like, you know, it's not the time for that. Nah, it's a little late, but. But still. No, it's not too late. Plant them for next year. You're right. Put the bulbs in the ground. Yeah, put them bulbs in the ground. Bulbs are seeds, not plugs. (laughs) If you Mm. put a baby plant out right now, it will die. At least in the northern hemisphere. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Seeds. Put seeds out. Yes. Pray the birds don't eat them. So... How well are bumblebees doing? They're little workaholics. 
they're doing a great job fighting for their family. They can't outcompete how bad humans are, unfortunately. Um, humans hate insects demonstrably. Yeah, so that yeah. does not help. <laughs> um, there was a 2020 study that looked at 66 different species across North America and Europe and found that bumblebees are far less common than they used to be. In mm. fact, in North America, you are nearly 50% less likely to see a bumblebee in anywhere just like no matter what habitat than you were prior to the year 1974. Wow. 50% less likely. Yeah. Depressing. Wow. Okay. It's, it's quite a decline. Yeah. Um, the Xerxes society and the IUCN bumblebee specialist group, which is amazing. And I'm so glad that that exists. (laughs) finds that 28% of all North American bumblebees are facing some degree of extinction risk. So they're not least concerned. Okay. So, how? Well, sorry. Hit me with that percentage again. 28% of all North American species are, are facing... Threatened or, or worse. Yes. Wow. Okay. That is a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I will say, to end it positively... There's a lot that we can do for them. They are really hardy bees. If we give them the space that they need and we give them the resources, aka native vegetation that they need, they can absolutely bounce back from that. They, you know, they don't need a whole lot of space because they do live not in groups of 50,000 individuals. Um, So they need space, but not as much as like, if they were more social, if that makes sense. And because they do work together, they're capable of, you know, getting every scrap of pollen and nectar that they need in order to be successful. So you're saying more localized restoration efforts of like forage are Mm -hmm. a lot more effective for them? Yeah. And like has the ability to make like a significant difference. That's really encouraging. That is encouraging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We talk so often about like animals or you know groups of animals that need like landscape scale (laughs) conservation efforts in order to even be a little bit successful so it's like really refreshing to find like oh here's a little thing that could be done that would make a huge difference yes that is very yeah that's very affirming yes definitely and a lot of bumblebee species also just have like a fairly wide range um so they are spread out enough that like if we lose a localized population here or there, there's still other populations that exist and, you know, could be, you know, saved. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, sweet. Yeah. Plant those native gardens, people. Yeah. What Hell are you yeah. waiting for? <laughs> Spring. We Wait, m- nope. We just put or, the seeds out there right now. That's yeah. right. Scarify them, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. My mind is completely broken right now, and I don't think I can say any more podcast words. So. That's valid. We're at the end. So that's okay. <laughs> can, we, can we end with some honeybee slander? Uh, they're dumb and ugly. Great. Thank you. They don't have mustaches. They don't. They have hairy eyeballs. Which is not where a mustache should be. <laughs> it's and... not. <laughs> nope. And in the South, they are hybridizing with killer bees and becoming a true nightmare. Yep. Yep. But bumblebees wouldn't do that to us. They wouldn't. I do love a peanut butter and honey sandwich, though. It's my favorite. 
It's my favorite kind. Uh-huh. 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 I I wonder with if with enough training we could train bumblebees to murder honeybees. Uh, I was gonna say <laughs> produce more honey than they normally do, so that we could get some too. That's rude, though. It they're is rude. Living, we don't know what their inner lives are like. Maybe mm-hmm. they're already really stressed out with the level oh, of work they have to do. They probably are. That's probably why they like to play so much. Yeah. Mm. Are we really anthropomorphizing <laughs> animals right now? <laughs> you know, where is the line? I don't know anymore. <laughs> Maybe there isn't. Yeah. That's right. a lie. There probably is. It's a difference of degree, not a difference of kind. Yes. Yeah. That's what Jane Goodall would say. Yeah. I would say that you're right. Mm-hmm. I would also say thank you guys for listening <laughs> to this podcast <laughs> uh, and sticking with us. The Best Biome is produced through our nonprofit, Grassland Groupies, which is dedicated to inspiring the conservation of grasslands. And uh, we do not support the total eradication of honeybees for the record. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, in the show notes, you can find all of our information. So you can text, call, or tweet us. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, tell your friends about us and leave a review on Podchaser or Apple Podcasts. We couldn't do this without your support, and neither honestly could the bumblebees, so make sure you give them support. Make sure you plant some flowers for bumblebees, and uh, if you have a nuisance hive, you know, stick a little water spout in there and redirect it into your enemy's yard or something. Yeah. Maybe not that. Put it somewhere where there's lots of flowers. There we go. There we go. That's That's more positive. (laughs) That's it. Bye. Hello. From your favorite grasslands PR team. Just keep going and then just do it again from the beginning. You gotta gotta get the giggles out. Mm-hmm. Uh, whew, okay, great. Doing great, Rachel. Thank you. Uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the hello the hardest part? Why is that? that was just a weird choice. All right. Hey, from Hey. <laughs> just like a person. Say it like I'm say it to me. I'm your audience. Yes. <laughs> just say say the whole thing get the giggles out and then just do the whole thing again yeah Ooh, okay yes. <laughs> hello from your favorite grasslands pr team this week we're doing stuff hello from your favorite <laughs> 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 oh, it's going great oh great oh boy why is this hard Whew.